Welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. It's the 2nd of February, 2024. Today I'm going to do another in a current affairs uh, series, Interesting Times. But before I start, I, I want to apologise for being absent for, I think it might be two or three weeks now. Uh, just l- life has a way of <laughs> getting in the way of uh, the really important matter of, of, of podcasting. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, Regarding current affairs, uh, I find myself uh, saying for the 20th time this year that the world is at a turning point and it's only, <laughs> it's only the beginning of February. How so? Well, you no doubt know that the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, has ruled that Israel uh, does have charges to answer, having studied the prosecutorial document supplied to it by the Republic of South Africa. There are a lot of ins and outs here. I recommend that you just look at the verdict as published by the ICJ. It's kind of quite short. And uh, the requirements that it's making of the Israeli state. Uh, But the upshot, the upshot of it is that the accusation that Israel is committing genocide in Gaza has to be taken very, very seriously. Now, I'm one of those people that's been saying from the start, the start this, 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 this looks like a genocide. And having uh, attempted to acquaint myself with some of the historical uh, precedents uh, behind the current state of affairs and uh, embarked on Ilan Pape's uh, excellent book, uh, The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine, it seems that this was the agenda all, all along. I do recommend that book, by the way, Ilan Papay, The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine. But be be ready for a a pretty distressing read, I have to say. It's wonderfully written, beautifully researched. Everything is referenced. The, The historical picture is drawn from the diaries of the players. David Ben Gurion, for instance, who's the really the first leader of Israel. Um, the archives of the IDF and many good solid sources are are used to build up this picture that Elan Pape uh, produces in, as I say, in his excellent book The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine do read, but prepare to be distressed It's, it's a difficult read Now to my mind, this ICJ ruling is good news though we do need to be aware that this uh, decision by the ICJ uh, really only opens the door now for an investigation and a trial of the Israeli state on the charge of genocide. Because basically the court has ruled that the charge can go forward and be tried, and this is what they'll do. But it will take a long time. Uh, the, the other genocide cases that the ICJ have settled have taken years But it has placed uh, some expectations on Israel. And the world is waiting to see the the extent to which Israel will uh, abide by the requirements of the ICJ, which is basically a ceasefire. It doesn't call for a ceasefire specifically, but uh, the requirements are... uh, that, for instance, Israel allows unlimited aid 
uh, from the Israel border with Gaza as well as from the Rafa border with between Gaza and Egypt. And that means, in effect, a ceasefire. It can't kind of be done without a ceasefire. And, um, and, and many, uh, I mean, and there are other requirements, all, all of which amount to Israel pretty well having to stop the, the military action now, or certainly the huge bombardment. So the world's waiting to see what they do. The day after the ruling, they were there uh, merrily bombing away. And, and on, on the day the announcement was, was made, hundreds of Palestinians were killed. And, of course, the big players in this, America and its poodles, the hegemon and its poodles, I'll refer to uh, to them from now on. But uh, the main players, I suppose, are the, the UK, Europe and the US. Uh, and the five eyes, I suppose, the, the, the other white Anglo-Saxon countries are all... all um, We'll all be under international scrutiny now as to how they push their client or their ally, Israel. At the moment, time time of speaking, there are some kind of developments. But certainly for a few days after the the ICJ ruling, there was a conspicuous silence in, in the mainstream press in the hegemonic countries. And not much... Encouragement either way from from the governments of the hegemonic states or from Israel itself, which kind of carried on. In fact, what Israel then did was was mount a kind of a rear guard action. Israel is actually attempting to have a fight with with the United Nations as such, and to and to play out its uh, psychopathy on that terrain and in that theatre. So, of course, uh, pretty well uh, the minute the ICJ rules Israel brings charges against uh, UNRWA which is the United Nations refugee agency operating in Gaza uh, because they claim they, they don't offer very solid evidence for this but they claim that some 12 or 13 employees of UNRWA are in fact affiliated to Hamas I understand that those employees have subsequently been sacked. Bear in mind, UNRWA has 13,000 employees, roughly, in Gaza. That it acts as a kind of a state for Gaza, since it doesn't have a proper state, and supplies the education, the health care, the social services, and, of course, the aid and relief uh, services in, in Gaza. Because of this charge by Israel, the hegemonic uh, countries, certainly the United States of America and the United Kingdom, have withdrawn their funding from UNRWA, which is catastrophic. It is funded by by the world's richer nations. Uh, and, And basically, it's keeping Gazans alive, particularly in this terrible situation that they're in those of them that are surviving this far. So that tit-for-tat on the part of Israel has had, has had some effect. Now, it's interesting that certain other countries, uh, particularly in Europe, have broken ranks because Europe wants to follow America, of course, you know, the EU. But certainly Ireland, 
Spain, Luxembourg, a few others, but it's about half a dozen European countries have broke ranks and have said, no, we will continue to fund, to fund UNRWA. Uh, and indeed, Spain has, has increased its uh, funding amount by a considerable amount. So they, these are gestures, of course, these are flicking the finger to the, the hegemon within its own camp, within its own camp that is descent. You know. So we need to bear all that in mind. So that's the situation. Now what's drawing my attention here is, is, is the thought that if the ICJ is ignored studiously and the, the, the genocide of Gazans, the ethnic cleansing of Palestine, carries on, then we will know that the rules-based order is over and that the world is a much more dangerous place. Now, uh, this so-called rules-based order never really had very sharp teeth, but nevertheless it was something, it was something of a restraint on the world, something of a... Uh, just getting us to slow down and back off as we go into uh, overexcited chimpanzee mode, which seems to be something that our species is quite prone to from time to time. So the complete demise of this rule-based order actually would be uh, would be a pretty bad thing. You know, there would be then nothing to stop us from hurtling to into all all-out conflict. Um, certainly not our own good sense, because at times like this it flies out of the window. And add to this the fact that things are hotting up in the region. Now they've been hotting up for some time and we've reported on this in, in our podcasts. But now uh, there seems to be a, a, an acceleration. Uh, mainly because uh, some American service personnel were killed by weapons manufactured in Iran. And that there's, uh, there are many calls uh, for a retaliation uh, on Iranian territory itself. Uh, Iran, Iran has been cyber-rattling uh, regarding any incursion uh, on its territory. So that situation is looking uh, pretty unstable. Of course, the situation in the Red Sea with the Houthis uh, of, uh, who control two-thirds or three-quarters of Yemen and uh, of quite a fighting force that's pretty well equipped uh, have been attacking shipping that's, that's taking goods to Israel. In retaliation, the American and the British navies have attempted to uh, take out the, the source of such attacks by subjecting Houthi uh, facilities in Yemen to, to missile fire and so on. So now the, the Houthis are also attacking uh, British and American warships. Other ships passing through are left alone if they're not anything to do with Israel. For their part, the Houthis categorically claim that they are doing this to be in solidarity with the people of Gaza. 
So just a little bit about the Hootish to flesh out this account a little bit more. The Hootish, for all intents and purposes, are, are a state. They control a large proportion of Yemen. They're an, an Islamist movement. They're not particularly liberal. In fact, they, uh, the, the regime seems pretty repressive and not great on uh, women's rights and so forth. Despite the shitty nature of the Yemeni society, the people of Yemen are solidly behind the Houthis when it comes to this matter of defending Gaza. Uh, and they're coming out on the streets in their millions, huge, huge demonstrations in, in Yemen in support of Gaza. Uh, they're not uh, a proxy for Iran, but the, Iran is quite willing to supply the Houthis with weapons and, and previously Russia supplied the Houthis with weapons as well and they just re recently have come out of a conflict with Saudi Arabia uh, in which the Saudi Arabians have, have retired from the, the, the fight. As far as their uh, foreign policy is concerned the, the Houthi, Houthi foreign policy is summed up in two sentences which go like this uh, death to America death to Israel it's pretty apparent from this rough sketch of what's going down in the region that the, the rules-based order at least a functioning international justice system. Even though perhaps it's only a rudimentary system as yet, nevertheless needs to survive. And in fact, this is an issue for the world, as you can see by the fact that uh, other nations have brought charges against Israel as well, so, you know, uh, with, with differences in detail from the uh, South African case. Um, also bringing in uh, the other international court, the ICC, the International Criminal Court. How does all this look if we take Michael Hutton's contention seriously? that the world is splitting in two. It seems to me that this contention does help us to clarify what's going on in despite of the fog of war. The revelation is made even more vivid by the anxious waiting of the world to see which way the hegemon will jump, whether it will destroy the world's rules-based order, or at least the, the germ of a proper rules-based order, thereby inviting even more death and destruction and chaos and an uncontrollable slide into the abyss? Or will it attempt to bring its Middle Eastern attack dog into line with the requirements of the International Court of Justice? In either case, the fault lines in the geopolitical system will remain at least according to my crystal ball. But in the former case, the case in which the International Court of Justice is basically neutered, the rate of splitting in the world will accelerate vastly and throw up all manner of chaos, not all of it predictable. In the latter case, the necessary changes in global dynamics stand a chance 
have been negotiated relatively peacefully. The latter has to be the preferred option. What can we do to secure this preferred option, the peaceful option? Many things, it seems to me. But not everything that people try will be effective. And some of the efforts to, well, firstly, manage the chaotic side effects of the splitting of the world, we also need to be figuring out how the hegemon is going to be replaced or simply abolished as a, as a concept or a possibility for geopolitical arrangements. My own prejudice is in favour of uh, networks of networks and alliances, strong alliances across uh, broadly uh, progressive uh, movements and political parties and trade unions and uh, civil society organisations and maybe, maybe in some circumstances congregations. And that there are some minimal criteria uh, which need to be adhered to if one is to belong to a global network of this type. There also need to be some alliances with, 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 uh, with techno technology and technologists who are dedicated to decentralised uh, structures of control uh, and power uh, in the uh, the internet or I don't know what we call it information technology superstructure of the world and then there should be some alliances to be formed there as well but I think it's, it's in that, that broad way that uh, uh, two desirable things can, can actually become effective and they are firstly safety nets in communities through community building and in and enhanced community building helped by the the new technological possibilities, particularly of say web three. So safety nets. Because there's gonna be chaos. There's gonna be chaos. There is gonna be chaos. Best will in the world is going to be chaos. So, my answer to that is build safety nets in communities. You know, and, um, but build also build networks of communities across the world, across the world. So, so we can gradually break down national barriers in that way maybe over one or two generations safety nets and the the other the other consequence of what I'm proposing this net, network and networks you might call it 
is through its informational structure this global solidarity will be able to project power into the future in other words to devise propagate get legitimated certain projects for the future for instance what are we going to do about global travel needs what are we collectively going to do about that in relation to a environmental integrity b social integrity c fairness how are we going to do that okay let's work it out let's sit and work it out let's simulate it let's get an ai to to help us to work out what the consequences might be let us tweak the variables let, let's let's design and let's try it out in prototype with volunteers and let's pay them to do it and look after them there's just a million uh, things uh, are open now it seems to me and it's all, almost out of this catastrophe that there are opportunities and that's not to say that you 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 try in that way to to excuse catastrophes. We should always try to avoid catastrophes and prevent catastrophes of like the one we're seeing in Gaza. But never, nevertheless, it's you, you you don't you don't you don't you don't honour the honour the dead unless unless you unless you build something. that's going to have at least the quality of not enabling disasters like the one we're we're witnessing unfolding in Gaza. Currently, it seems, our current global arrangements, economic, geopolitical, military and so on, can't prevent catastrophes of the type we're seeing. So, system changes in order. Okay, enough for utopian speculation. I've got one more question. And it's the question of, well, what is the nature of the the split that's happening? You know, what does it look like if we just get close to it and examine it through a microscope? Gaza again reveals it. In response to the genocide in Gaza, week after week after week, 100 million people, I'm guessing, worldwide, have been out on the streets. And they're going to keep going out and they're very determined and they're very upset from the the Arab squares to London, capitals of Europe, all across the US, all across the, the South, huge demonstrations in support of a ceasefire in, in Gaza. And very often, Certainly in, in, the, in the case of this country, the United Kingdom, and definitely in the United States, the, 
these vast demonstrations have been decried by the governments of those countries. In the UK, the Home Secretary, which is one of the high offices of state, said that the march in London, which had about three quarters of a million people in it, was a hate march. Which, of course, is absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous. And it became starkly obvious to people in in uh, in 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 the hegemonic societies that anybody who's remotely progressive was in stark opposition to their own government, which was supporting the fascist state of Israel in its genocide and ethnic cleansing of Gaza. And in fact, not only were they giving it the nod, they were supplying Israel with the weapons, the 2,000-pound bombs, with which to do it. And the diplomatic cover through uh, vetoes at the Security Council in the United Nations, and so on. Hence, uh, Mr. Biden is now and forever, for all eternity, genocide Joe. Whereas the majority, even of America, which I always think of as a pretty conservative country, but even there, the majority of people support uh, an immediate ceasefire and, and tend to be with the Palestinians. And this, this is. There's a hundred million people at least on planet Earth willing to give up their Saturdays. And actually are very, very serious about what they're perceiving. Which is that the governments of the hegemonic powers are against the people. And especially so in, in, in if you live in one of those countries. Your government does not have your interest at all. It is now starkly out in the open that they, they work for a geopolitical reality uh, only secondarily for you, the citizen. And I think that's a big learn. And the response to this situation from, from say, the British government, and I dare say something similar is happening in the US, is just to both culturally and in terms of legislation, to, to institute authoritarian measures and, and to bring power to the executive and to focus it in the executive and make it less accountable and more, more dictatorial. So in line with that, we're getting authoritarianism and... As a part and parcel of that is is the whipping up of hot war and cold war noise, cyber rattling on the part of the British military and the British establishment to then invoke a threat of war either with Russia or Iran or both as this global fracture as this global fracturing is taking place and to say well we haven't got enough troops we're going to have to bring in conscription and to seriously put that forward in the 21st century 
And this is all part and parcel of the same unfolding pattern. It's all, it's all traceable to the fracture, <laughs> you might call it. Anyway, I think I will leave you with that. There's obviously a lot more to say. And hopefully we can get back into rhythm and do at least one podcast a week now for, for a while. Thanks very much. I'm going to put a link to buy me a coffee. And it would be great if any of you would do that. Diochavara, thank you very much. Make knowledge great again. <laughs>